I didn't know how to write a novel and writing a no and I honestly didn't think I could write a novel. My wife has been telling me for 20 years, you would be great at writing novels. And I never believed her. Were you a novel reader? But did you yes. read novels yourself? Yes. Any type yes. of genre? Yeah, yeah. Any type of genre, but particularly great mysteries. Okay. Great crime fiction. because uh, there's such great writing in that genre. So you and knew novels, you just characters. hadn't written one. Exactly. Exactly. I love that world, but I didn't think I, I didn't think I had the chops for it. I didn't know the military world at all. In terms of writing the novel, this is not the kind of thing where you, you know, you write, you write an outline and go get, uh, sell it to a publisher. They give you an advance and then you write the book. And that happens with business books, but not this thing. This thing was completely in the red by the time we finished it because we didn't earn dime one um, until- Leap of faith. Yeah, total leap of faith. Um, there were many more reasons that a reasonable person would have had for saying no. So there is an unreasonableness like you mentioned entrepreneurs and business people, uh, taking an entrepreneurial leap of faith, you know, isn't an act of total folly because if it's total folly, you know, really truly foolish, then you're just gonna waste your time. Sure. But there is a healthy element of folly in every great new idea, simply because it hasn't been done before. Welcome to the Rockstars Rocking Podcast, powered by Voluntary Disruption a show dedicated to people who are crushing their business and life goals. These are bite-sized conversations with leading rock stars in their respective industry who are pumped to share their story to help drive you to the next level. So, are you ready to rock? Speaking of rock stars, here's your host, Eric Silverman. Hey, rock stars, welcome back to another episode of Rock Stars Rockin', the podcast that only has the rock stars crushing both business, personal, and life on each and every week. I am so proud and so excited to have on this week, uh, John David Mann. For those of you that don't know John, John is an award-winning, best-selling author, co-author, ghostwriting author of more than 30 books worldwide, and he's sold more than 30 Mil, excuse me, 30 million. That's, that's, um, that's uh, aggressive, but uh, you will be there soon. He sold more than 3 million copies, uh, should be 30 million, uh, of all of his books combined, including more than 1 million copies of the book that he and my friend Bob Berg have co-authored, The Go-Giver and the collaborative series, The Go-Giver um, uh, Sell More, go-giver leader and the go-giver influencer. And I'm super, super fired up and excited to talk a lot about today, the first book um, that he's written, uh, a thriller with his uh, partner, Brandon Webb, called Steel Fear, which will be out in the general public released uh, in the middle of July. So if that's not an introduction, flubbed and everything, uh, welcome <laughs> John David Mann. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's been, it's, we've had, had to work, work hard at nailing down this date. We kept having roadblocks thrown up in our way, but here we are. We persevered. If there's a will, there's a way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so John, we're going to get to the new book. I want to talk a lot about that because I'm super pumped. I just started reading it. Don't give me any secrets. Don't give me anything. I, I, no spoiler alert on this podcast. Um, I know nothing. 
but uh but you know you've had an interesting career man a lot you know uh, quite candidly um a lot of people might say that you've taken a, a back seat when it comes to your books and writing for uh, a lot of your books uh most certainly in my opinion um the go-giver series of books which have had a profound impact on my career and my life um to be very um very honest and and um and sincere. And that's a good thing. I love this series of books. Um, can you talk about um, uh, when it comes to, to any of your books, what it means to be a, uh, a co-writer versus a ghostwriter uh, and how these things come about? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think everyone's familiar with the idea of a ghostwriter. So you have someone, you know, you have a celebrity, let's say, who, who has their life story come out in a book form. And they, they may be an amazing person with lots of skills and talents and accomplishments, but they're not particularly writers. So somebody who has that skill set collaborates with them and does the writing part. That's ghostwriting. And, you know, frequently their name may appear on the, on the cover of the book in small letters or not at all. Uh, and so I've done a bunch of, of those. I've written other people's memoirs, other people's life stories, um, women, men, conservative, liberal, politicians, business people, all kinds of people. Um, including my Navy SEAL buddy, uh, Brandon Webb, former Navy SEAL sniper, Brandon Webb, now an entrepreneur in the private sector. Uh, Brandon and I collaborated on his memoir, The Red Circle, back in 2009. It came out in 2012. Uh, and that was the first of what has turned out to be a long and fruitful partnership of books between Brandon and me. Uh, um, that's ghostwriting you know, where really my job is to kind of channel somebody else's life. It's sort of like being a film actor starring as Freddie Mercury or Margaret Thatcher or, you know, Mr. Rogers or whomever. Uh, you, you put on the person's life, mindset, experience, outlook, like a suit of clothes, and then you stand up and you do stuff. So my job as a ghostwriter is to sit down and write as if it were my story, but it's actually somebody else's story that I put on like a suit of clothes. It's a really interesting task. Then there's the co-authored books like the Go-Giver series. Now that isn't me channeling Bob Berg. That's Bob and me, our combined experiences, outlooks and so forth. Um, Bob and I mesh really well. We have very, very different temperaments, experiences, backgrounds, but we mesh really well. So those books are kind of the, you know, we're like the co-parents um, of those book, of those books. The difference is with the first, I'm trying to, like I said, channel somebody else. With the second, it's like you create a, almost a third person. You take me and Bob, put us in a barrel, mix us up, and it creates this thing called the go-giver universe um so there's four books now actually there's a fifth go-giver book coming out next spring the go-giver marriage which i wrote not with bob but with my wife um, wow so that's that my first actually my first collaboration with her in book form so that's that's really really uh, a fun process oh man uh, i'm excited so, for that so brendan and i started out with his memoir and then we did a bunch of other military memoirs among heroes and the killing school and various things. And then we kind of went into the area of business books and personal development books. We wrote a book called Total Focus, which is like bringing the principles from special operations field to business and, and civilian life and, you know, and life. And then a book called Mastering Fear, which is the same idea. 
And now we've finally done something we've talked about for over a decade, which is we've become a collaborative crime writing team. And this is the first in a series of thrillers. This is Steel Fear. It's going to be followed by Cold Fear and then a bunch of other fears as the years go by. Wow. That's that's neat. Well, you know, um, I told you right before we started uh, started recording that, you know, I'm just so into these types of books and um, the, the new book, Steel Fear, available everywhere books are sold on July 13th, um, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, you name it. And but I love these types of books because uh, it just takes it just takes me out of the real world and puts me into a different um, a different uh, area. I, I don't even know how to explain it. it. I mean, that's what it's supposed to do if you think about it. Um, and to me, um, I, the, my immediate thought, uh, and you would have this thought, anybody, if you just read the back for six seconds, it's a it's a movie waiting to happen. It's a <clears throat> it's a TV show waiting to happen. Um, and we'll get to that in a second. But um, let me ask you a question when it comes to the new book. Um, how did you meet Brandon? Yeah, um, Brandon, uh, this is right around the time that Captain Phillips w- was captured. His ship was captured by, by uh, Somalian pirates. Everybody knows yeah. the story now because he turned, into Tom, yeah, he, turned into, <laughs> he turned into Tom Hanks. But back right. when, when he wasn't Tom Hanks yet, he was just Captain Phillips. Um, the, the, the country was riveted by the, the scene of you know, three SEAL snipers take with three coordinated shots like, like uh, synchronized swimmers taking out three pirates. And my literary agent who had you know, shepherded the Go-Giver books and done a lot of other books with me, she was watching TV with her sister and, and uh, CNN was interviewing a guy who had trained, who was, had trained Navy SEAL snipers. And he was describing the kind of training that these three snipers would have had. And he sounded fascinating. And my agent turned to her sister and said, I want that guy as a, as a client. Why can't I have that guy as a client? This is, this is a Friday or a Saturday. Monday morning, that guy walked into her office and said, I need an agent. I, you know, I want to write my life story. And that was Brandon. Wow. Uh, he had, uh, after coming back from, from Afghanistan, uh, he was one, he was, his platoon was one of the first uh, in after 9-11. And after coming back from Afghanistan, he was recruited to revamp the sniper, the, the sniper, uh, the SEAL sniper training program, which is reputed to be the most difficult training program on the planet Earth. And so he and a buddy, com- whose name was Eric, interesting, uh, completely revamped the, the, the sniper training program to bring it into the 21st century. And so that's why he was on CNN, but he wanted to tell a story. And so she, she said, she contacted me and said, look, I know you don't do this kind of book. This is like not your thing. Mr. Go-Giver, Mr. Leadership, <laughs> Mr. You know, Mild-Mannered, Clark Kent, right? And uh, she said, but I, this guy needs a writer. He's a good writer, but he needs a real, you know, a professional writer. Would you take a look? I said, of course, I took a look. I look at one page of what he drafted. And I said, I am in, man, I am totally in. So uh, we met on the phone, we started corresponding, email. One of our very first conversations, he said to me back in 2009, he said, would you ever be interested in writing a, uh, a thriller, like a novel, a full novel? I said, hmm, tell me more. Because <laughs> um, he had had this experience on the USS Abraham Lincoln on this aircraft carrier, much like the one that's behind me here, when, uh, it, when they were just integrating women into the Navy in combat roles on ships. And it was a cult, kind of culture shock. And there was a serial sexual predator on the ship. 
this guy who would sneak into the women's showers and put his hand in and flip off the lights and then run in the dark and grab somebody. Mm. And it never escalated to the point of physical harm or out, full out rape, but it was but it was sexual predation and it was creepy and it was horrifying. And it kind of cast a pall of terror over the whole ship. And the leadership of the ship was completely unprepared to handle anything like that. They, they were not equipped for something, a, a complex crime. And Brandon thought at the time, well, what if these were murders? And that's where the, the idea for the book came from. The guy uh, um, did this like six, seven, eight times and they never caught him. So we decided to write a book about it and catch him. That's, and that's, what, that's what the deal is. That's cool. Well, it's funny. You read my notes because I already, my next question was going to be where the idea of the book yeah. come from. And, you know, a lot of times ideas come from actual stories and then, yeah. you, uh, and then you adapt them. So no, that's neat. People, people often say that, that new ideas for stories, for books, for businesses, for that matter, new, uh, entrepreneurs get, when, when two unrelated ideas collide and suddenly you get a new you get a new oh no one's done this and so we had this idea of the serial killer in an aircraft carrier hadn't been done that we know of ever that was floating in our universe for years and years and years and i started thinking about who would be the hero of that story who would be this, the main character and for a couple of years i kind of thought about that and i started forming this picture of this extremely traumatized damaged guy who had a traumatic event happen in his childhood uh and had some very difficult experiences in in wartime that he's just come from dropped onto this ship like a stranger right dropped onto this strip onto the ship for nobody knows what reason and i started seeing that guy and the, the collision of that that damaged character and the serial killer on the on the aircraft carrier those two collided and was like okay now it now this thing is real and that's when the book took shape the um so this was a long process in development like the idea yes. was many 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 years ago and obviously it's going to take quite a while to write a book like this you already said earlier yeah. to me and I'll repeat what did you say something like this was 150,000 words that you were able to reduce quite a bit? Yeah, well, I thought the manuscript was finished, you know, because I've never written a novel. And writing a novel is very, very different from writing, say, a business book or a memoir or even a parable like The Go-Giver. I, I often call parables like The Go-Giver, like miniature novels. And that's fine to say. And there's a lot of truth to it. But writing a full-fledged complex novel is, is like it. It's like I've been walking up and down hills all my life and suddenly I'm climbing, you know, the Himalayas. <laughs> uh, and so it was it was ferociously intimidating and difficult. It took a year and a half um, mm. to write the book. Uh, and I thought it was done. And we brought it to our agent. And uh, she said, this is great. Of course, you know, it has to be completely rewritten. It's like you got to <laughs> you got to take out 50,000 words. I was like, uh -huh. <laughs> oh so, man so we did you know it went from about 150 to 103,000 basically every third word had to go out we took out whole characters took out whole chapters just wow yeah but every every with every and I found this to be also true in in smaller books in nonfiction books in blog posts in all, all kinds of venues of writing the more I took out it's like the clearer and cleaner and more focused it got. Totally. And almost like when you clean your attic in your house and your garage and all of a sudden you go, oh, right, this is where I live. This is my life, <laughs> you know? 
Yeah, so it was worth it. It was worth the journey. That's awesome. So um, talk to us about, I mentioned a couple minutes ago that, um, that I totally, first thing I thought of was I got to watch this movie. I got to watch this, uh, this TV show. And I was just joking with you kind of sort of when we first came on uh, before we hit record and tell everybody what you told me. <laughs> yeah, well, it's actually in development. Um, by the time we were in the publication process, it was in development as a streaming limited TV series. Um, mm. And I have to add that that in development is Hollywood language for what you and I would call, eh, like, is it going to happen? <laughs> we don't know. Maybe. It's a very big maybe. So where that look, what that looks like is there is a writer of the TV series. Um, he's a phenomenal writer. Brandon and I participated in the selection process. And we were a bunch of writers. We actually had conversations with a, a, a range of producers. There were people who wanted to make it into a movie, a theatrical release movie. There were people who wanted to do, there were, there were a lot of different uh, people in play. And we went with a guy that we really clicked with who was a, a seminal force in all the Jason Bourne flicks and the mm -hmm. Jason Bourne TV series as well. So he's That's phenomenal. Good company. Yeah, seriously. He immediately said, this is like the next Jason Bourne. Hey, I'll go with that. That's that's yeah. pretty good. <laughs> that's a pretty nice thought. So, um, it's being developed. A, a a pilot has been written. There is a network who has who has you know bought the rights to it, who has optioned it. Whether that will that will turn into a full fledged produced TV series that comes, you know, to the viewing public, it is still a, a an open question. We we obviously hope so. Well, you know, it, uh, I mean, I just, like I said, I, I love these types of thriller um, type uh, books and shows and movies. My wife and I are super into it, just like, you know, hundreds of millions of other people around the world, um, yeah. if not billions. And uh, another thing that came to mind immediately, uh, yeah, Jason Bourne, but is uh, Tom Clancy and, and the Jack Ryan series and all, yeah. all of the movies that have come from that over the years, as well as yeah. the the now streaming on Amazon series of Jack Ryan and so forth and so on. So, um, you know, let me ask you, when it comes to that, does the show coming about have anything to do with how the book performs and does in the market? You know, that's a great question. And I can't honestly say I know the answer. I would assume yes. I mean, I would assume that if the book, you know, takes off out of the bookshelves and it hits the New York Times bestseller list and you know, everyone's talking about it, that that would be certainly motivation for the executives at the, at the, uh, the network to say, hmm, I should do this. Sure. Something in interesting about Steel Fear um, that, uh, you know, I credit Brandon for this because he had the initial idea, but it is a military thriller, but it's also a, a serial killer thriller. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's through two genres. And the thing that's kind of sweet about that is that if you're a fan of military books, like you mentioned Tom Clancy, right? If you're, if you're a fan of Tom Clancy, if you're a fan of, of military-based thrillers with a lot of military details and military context, then obviously this book fits that slot. If, on the other hand, you're a fan of Jack Reacher, or you're a fan of, uh, you know, of uh, uh, Elvis Cole, or you're, you're a fan of any of these other uh, popular crime figures who are civilians, Jack Reacher used to be in the army, okay, but still, he's in the civilian world. Um, it fits that too. And you don't have to have a military background to enjoy the book. You don't have to be a fan of all the, the uh, uh, you know, the, the loose cannon Ronin type characters. So it, it kind of straddles two worlds. And you would think that that would also make for a very attractive viewership on television. And we'll see. We'll see. You know, you mentioned something. You said that uh, a book like this, you love it because it's a way of escaping from your world. It kind of takes you out of your world. And I think that's it's what really I meant true. to say. I, I yes. couldn't get those words out, but that's why I leave it to the writer. Yes. Well, 
here's what I think, and here's what I here's what I hope. For me, you know, a great story, let's say a great movie or a great TV series. You know, my wife and I are in the middle of watching The Sinner right now, phenomenal series. Um, the same thing was true of Queen's Gambit we watched mm -hmm. earlier this year. A great series like that or a great movie. To me, it, it takes you out of your world, but what it does more specifically is it engages you. It really engages you. And it engages you, hopefully, in a way that it takes you out of your world. And then when you go back into your world, you bring pieces with you, you know? You bring Jack Ryan's ingenuity. Um, you bring, you know, if you watch the Shawshank Redemption, who doesn't love that movie? You bring- oh, favorite. The way that Morgan Freeman has no hope is a hopeless man who discovers the possibility of having hope again. You bring that back into your, into your world, even though you're not in prison, you weren't put away for a crime you did or didn't commit. You know, you're living your ordinary life, but you bring pieces of that with you. So that to me is the, is the ultimately, we hope that to be the value of a book like Steel Fear. Yeah, it's entertainment, takes you out of your world, engages you for hours and hours. It's a big book. But then when you go about your life, there's a piece of fin that you bring with you. And there's a piece of Monica, the helicopter pilot that you bring with you. And, it, and hopefully it, it, uh, it gives you even tools to, uh, you know, to go about your life in a more powerful way. Anyway, it's my well, aspiration. You, no, well, you know, I, I like how earlier you said um, you were uh, your, I guess it was an agent uh, reached out and said, hey, I got an idea for you. I know you've never done it before. Uh, would you take a look yeah. at it? So number yeah. one lesson, right? Because a lot of folks listening to my podcast here uh, are business folks too. Um, so the number one lesson here is you embraced it. The first words out of your mouth were, I'll take a look. You didn't say yeah. yes. You didn't say no. You said, I'm open-minded basically, right? Let's, let's take a look. And then yes. lesson two um, is that you were able to immediately after reading one page, know that you were in, but that that lesson to me, in my opinion, is if it wasn't for you having that uh, open mind, you would never have been opened up to a whole new world of writing that you had literally, I don't want to use the word ignored, but you had, you had not been exposed to. Would you agree? I, not only, I, w I would agree. And not only had I not been exposed, I had not participated, but also there were some, there were some compelling reasons to say no. There were some, really? there were some compelling reasons not to even entertain the idea of Brandon's memoir, but and then further on, particularly the novel. You know, first off, I had no military experience. Now, when you write a military memoir, the military readership is very particular. Um, the crime readership, I think, is a lot more forgiving. I mean, maybe, maybe the the you know, with the all the interest in pathology, you know, people want want you to get all the details of the autopsy right, but. With the military readership, man, if you don't get the caliber right, you don't get the rank right, the way different different ranks address each other, sure. you don't get all that stuff right, they just like they they discard you like yesterday's trash. So it's very unforgiving. What do I know about the military life? Nothing. So first off, I had that complete vast chasm of ignorance on my part. Um, I didn't know how to write a novel, and writing a no and I honestly didn't think I could write a novel. My wife has been telling me for twenty years. You would be great at writing novels, and I never believed her. Were you a reason. novel reader? But did you yes. read novels yourself? Yes. Any type yes. of genre? Yeah, yeah. Any type of genre, but particularly great mysteries. Okay. Great crime fiction, because uh, there's such great writing in that genre. So you and knew novels, you just characters. hadn't written one. Exactly. 
Exactly. I love that world, but I didn't think I, I didn't think I had the chops for it. I didn't know the military world at all. In terms of writing the novel, this is not the kind of thing where you, you know, you write, you write an outline and go get, uh, sell it to a publisher. They give you an advance and then you write the book. Now, that happens with business books, but not this thing. Th this thing was completely in the red by the time we finished it because we didn't earn dime one um, until- Leap of faith. Yeah, total leap of faith. Um, there were many more reasons that a reasonable person would have had for saying no. So there is an unreasonableness like you mentioned entrepreneurs and business people, uh, taking an entrepreneurial leap of faith, you know, isn't an act of total folly because if it's total folly, you know, really truly foolish, then you're just gonna waste your time. Sure. But there is a healthy element of folly in every great new idea, simply because it hasn't been done before or you haven't done it before or, you know, or whatever. So yeah, I, I agree, gotta be open. The, the, the greatest things in my life the Go-Giver series has been one of the great blessings in my life. My wife, another great blessing in my wife. There have been a number of great, great blessings in my life. Not one of them occurred as the result of my plan. I think that's a, a life lesson, though, that we all experience, right? I mean, yeah. you know, think about that. And, and you know, it, it, I love how you said you had every reason to say no um, yes. And yet you read that page and you had one big reason to say yes. And you embraced it with open arms. And that was before you knew you'd be in the red before you, uh, before you finished the, the book. Yeah. Um, you yeah. probably didn't, you didn't know what you didn't know. Let's just be honest. You know, it's interesting at that time. So the go-giver came out at the beginning of uh, 2008, actually the last couple of days, 2007. And it was my first, um, first mainstream book, published book. I'd done some projects before, but there were, you know, not through mainstream publishers. Um, so actually my second book but the first book that went big that was 2008 at the end of 2008 as everybody knows the economy collapsed right. the world blew up everything imploded and over the next year or so advances now I mentioned that, that often with, with, with non-fiction books you'll write an outline maybe a sample chapter or two or three uh, some chapters, I mean, you kind of prepare a package that says, this is the book I plan to write and here's why it's going to do well and here's who I am and here's what I expect. Right. And you sell that to publishers and a publisher says, I'll take that. And they contract for that. They pay you in advance to write the book. Awesome. So back when I, when I, Bob and I published The Go-Giver, advances were pretty healthy. Advances started nosediving. And for really? about, about two years, every advance I got for a new book was half the one before. Wow. I mean, it, it was like, by the time it was, by the time we got to the red circle, my advance was like a 10th of what it had been for the go-giver. And so it was a scary time to be a speculative writer, by which I mean, you know, writing on spec, writing, not knowing if anybody will buy the book, uh, because my wife and I were like jumping into a financial hole and it's gotten better, but it's, it's cyclic, you know, with the pandemic, things also crashed. So, you know, I, I would have thought life. that it would be the, I mean, you said it's not, but I, my, my brain would have said it's the opposite. When you show this amazing uh, uh, work of art and now they're excited for the next one and the next one and the next one that your advances should go up, not down. What, what am I missing? What math am I missing? Is it just the well, economy, the, the signs of the time? Like did the, the industry completely change? Like what happened? The, event, the industry completely changed. 
okay. uh, it completely changed. The, for the Go-Giver, you know, we have a fantastic publishing partner advances for that and, and the, the plans for that. I mean, that was, that was consistent and steady. That didn't, okay. that didn't crash. You know, that was awesome. Um, but for all, for every other book, you know, I, I did a, a bunch of other books with a bunch of other authors and every one, you know, paid half of what the previous book had paid until, as I say, with the, with the red circle, it was, uh, Brandon and I were just jumping out of a, out of a plane at 10,000 feet saying, you got to shoot, I got to shoot, you know? <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, uh, I forget how we got there, but it is basically it's this, when you're a writer, unless you're a staff writer for a, for a magazine or you have some kind of salaried position, which does happen, but it's rare. If you're a writer, man, you are an entrepreneur. Sure. You are, you are a person for whom if it, if it's to be, it's up to me becomes yeah. a life mantra because you're self-determining. You have your to, product you have to is your, make is your, your fortune. Book. Yeah, yeah. Your, your product is your book. It's, it's whatever you put out there and wherever right. you put your name. Um, yeah. But again, it just shows my ignorance and I can't imagine I'm no different than a lot of the folks listening today is that, you know, uh, I look at it as, as it, you know, you and Bob, if you put your name on a book, after selling, in this case, um, a million copies of, of the original book alone, when you put your name on it, publishers should be like, wow, that's gold. Like, it's ready to go. It's like uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, um, splitting image you are, of course. It's like <laughs> yeah. him putting his name on the movie, starring or co-starring. Like, it's just an immediate blockbuster, at least it's supposed to be. So that's where my brain goes. Yeah, you'd think so. You'd think so. But, you know, the, the there's, there are a few truths about publishing books. One is there are so many books out there. Sure. The landscape is so noisy that if you put a book out there, it's, it's, it's like speaking out your car window when you're going at 75 miles an hour on the highway. <laughs> <laughs> so if you put a book out there and say, hey, everybody, Bob Berg and John Mann wrote this. People are like, right. oh, that's cool. And right. now they're on to the next thing. Because yeah. there's 500 books vying for their, you know, Twitter and there's Instagram. And, yeah. and so the publishers are now feeling more like they're taking a big gamble than ever before. It probably isn't any different for angel investors and in businesses or other kinds of investors and in businesses. Um, a publisher needs to be completely convinced, totally sold, that this book is going to more than pay for itself by the time it comes out. Sure. Otherwise, they're like, you know what? It's safer to say no than yes. The go-giver got 22 no's, 22 rejections before Portfolio said, you know what? We want to buy that, publish that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I'd never heard that. I'm sure it's not a secret, but I never heard that. That's crazy. And yeah. that's a, that's a perfect life example of continuing to send it out. You know, every no yeah. uh, leads you to that next yes or that yeah. first yes. Yeah, the first one. Yeah, it was. It, and, you know, I've had other books. Well, The Red Circle, our memoir, it went out to it got something like 18 no's. I mean, it got it got a lot of a lot of turndowns as well. So that is you know, that's part of the entrepreneurial life. I, I, I have a question. So you mentioned um, at, earlier, you said how your wife and, and yourself uh, enjoyed the Queen's Gamut. You mentioned uh, Shawshank, which is one of my all time favorite movies, literally right at the top, may be the top. Um over the years, and, and certainly now that you've written a novel, um, do you get inspiration to take an idea that you, that you watch or, the, or a book you read and you say, I have an idea that I could twist that and make it my own and start and create? Like, are you now getting more inspiration than ever? Uh, or is that not hit yet? Or? Yeah, it's, it's, um, 
it, it for me anyway, and this may be different for every writer, but for me, it isn't like I see a movie or a TV show or I read a book and say, oh, I'd like to write about that. Um, it's more like I'll see something and it just starts some gear in the back of your mind going. Um, you know, I'd read a couple of books. I read a book called Talking to the Dead. Uh, it's the first of a what's now a, a good-sized crime series written by a, a British novelist, Harry Bingham. And it's about a woman who has this, this weird psychological disorder, which you don't really find out what it is at the end of the book, and, and that she is sort of more comfortable with dead people than she is with live. And it sounds very ghoulish, and it is kind of ghoulish, but she's a fascinating character. She's profoundly damaged, profoundly damaged. It's all told from her point of view, and your heart just aches for her, and you're fascinated by her, and you fall in love with her, and she's really weird. <laughs> and she's really smart, and she's really funny. It's like, who is this person? And I remember reading that book and saying, oof, I'd love to create a character that was really screwed up, but I found really engaging and that I really wanted to root for. And that's who is in Steel Fear. That's, that's where the guy in Steel Fear came from. It's mm. inspired by this, by this five foot tall Welch cop, you know, who is messed up. So yeah, inspiration comes from all kinds of places. So you're talking about Finn in that, in that situation? Yeah. 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 That was like the genesis for me, for me of Finn. Yeah. So um, I know this is not even uh, as we record this right now, it, I, this hasn't officially been released yet. It's coming out July 13th. Uh, folks can go to your website. Uh, they can go to your website, John David Mann, but e uh, equal or even better, frankly, they can just go to steelfear.com, S-T-E-E-L, fear, F-E-A-R.com, and they can order a uh, pre-copy, to a uh, pre-order, and you have a number of uh, packages and bonuses and specials. So if you're listening to this, post July 13, 2020, thank you, or 2021, thank you for listening or watching. Um, but I don't suspect those bonuses will be there anymore. Um, can you no. talk about that a little bit? Because they, they look incredible. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so uh, the book comes out the 13th. And up until that date, if you pre-order a copy, it doesn't matter if it's audiobook, ebook, hardcover, whatever. Um, and it's everywhere. Target, Walmart, you mentioned Amazon, Barnes Noble, obviously, everywhere. Yep. Um, if you do, and the link is on the site, you can go there, you can send in your proof of purchase with your name and email. And the publisher and us created a little bonus pack package, which is, it's got like um, a series of deleted scenes that part, part of those 50,000 words I took out, there were some like juicy pieces. I thought, man, I hate to see those go, but in the interest of, of pacing and, 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 uh, and momentum in the book, we had... But a few of those, we thought these are just too, too, uh, too cool to, to let language. So there's some deleted scenes and chapters that are in that package. Um, there's a Q&A with Brandon and me. Um, there's uh, a sample chapter uh, in there. There's a bunch of sort of digital extras. Th this Zoom background that's behind me, you know, that file, uh, cell phone background is there. A whole bunch of uh, the movie trailer. Uh, which is coming out, you know, not of the movie, but we did a 30 second movie trailer like promo piece 
for Steel Fear, which is which is also in that package. So, you know, a bunch of little things. There's a picture of the actual Abraham Lincoln, um, which Brandon served on for six months. That was the actual ship he was on, wow. which is where the story takes place. I spent some time on that actual boat um, just after they had shot the, the new Top Gun movie. They used that ship for shooting some of that footage. I was on that ship just before it sailed out to the Gulf again, uh, early 2019. And when I when I was there, the Navy gave me this photograph of the of the Lincoln executing a sharp turn mid ocean um, to go back. It happens twice in the book where the ship makes this sharp turn to go back and, and look for somebody who's who's presumably fallen off the boat or maybe they were pushed. We don't know. Um, so there's that there's that you know that full color photo of the ship in mid turn and there's a diagram and schematics of the ship uh, and a bunch of stuff like that. So anyway, that's, that's there neat. and there. Um, special events that Brandon and I will, will be doing, Q&As live and so forth that happen after the release of the book, we'll also be featuring those on that website so everybody knows where we are and what we're doing and when we're talking. So I know um, I know you mentioned it early on when we uh, started the, the interview, um, how this is going to be, it's already in the works to be a series of books and uh, hopefully yes. even more over the years. Um, you know, I know this is not even out yet, but uh, have you started writing anything yet? Is, is there a, a sketch and work? Are you, are you 20 chapters in? Like, where are we? Yeah, yeah 40 chapters in. Actually, so wow. when, you, when you buy the book, uh, at the back of the book, after the thing is done and you know what happened and it's all over, then it says, you know, take a sneak peek at the next one. You're going to get four chapters or five, four or five chapters of the next book are in the back of this book. So, yeah, That's it's great. called Cold Fear. And uh, all I can tell you is that it takes place in Iceland. Mm. And I have um, been furiously corresponding with a, a fantastic friend of mine who lives in Iceland and uh, about details of the book. Yeah, I, I'm getting close to finish with that, that second book. You got you to gotta be on that schedule, man, because man. production happens, you know. So, yeah, that book, is, that book is, is more of the same, sort of, but very different. And I'm having a blast doing it. So I got I got two last questions that I think everybody will appreciate. Um, uh, number one, um, because I've experienced this myself, and I don't write books. I just I, I write blogs and articles for magazines that I'm published in. Um, what do you do when, if or when you have writer's block? I can't imagine in all your years that hasn't happened, where you're just your your head's not right and you, you can't figure out exactly what you want to say or how you say it. Yeah, yeah, and that's a great question. And and you know I know that you ask. A lot of different writers, you get a lot of different answers, and they're all good answers. James Patterson says there, he never has writer's block because if he ever does, he says the answer is one word, research. And it's not just research to know things, no details, but like if you go, I spend a lot of time, by which I mean months, maybe six months, researching aircraft carriers. And just reading everything online, I could read about it, reading books, watching documentaries. And I would bump into the weirdest stuff that would go, oh, I could use that. It, it's, you don't even know what you're looking for. Um, that's true with fiction, it's true with nonfiction. Just plunging into that world is a great way out of writer's block. But for me, here's the, here's the real answer to that. And it, years ago, I was writing a monthly column for a magazine and I had 400 words. It was a lot like writing a blog post. Mm -hmm. I had this limited space to give my one idea of the month. And invariably, I'd start writing that thing like the day before it was due. And I'd work at it for a while and I would find I had 1,200 words. It's like, it's way too much stuff 
too much copy. I got to like trim it down, but I couldn't trim it down. Why can't I trim it down? And I, and I eventually learned that I was trying to jam too many pieces of fruit into this jar. I was trying to jam too many ideas. Usually I was writing about two or three ideas when I really, if I took one idea out altogether and the, and I just wrote about that one thing, it would be much easier. Here's my point. Often for me, writer's block, I'm stuck in a chapter, I'm stuck in a dialogue, I'm stuck in a scene. It's a question of structure. If I take a breath and step back, step away and look at the overall picture and say, where are we going in this story? Where, what am I saying in this blog post? What's the question I'm really asking? What's the, what's the point I really wanna get across? So if I, I find I have a structure problem. That's why I'm stuck in a corner of this room, like a ferret, you know, trying to go, um, so, yeah, I ask myself questions. When you're stuck, ask yourself big questions. Well, what you just said reminds me of a lot of people. Um, uh, they, 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 I don't know, they reference the, the idea of begin with the uh, end in mind. So it yeah. sounds like for you to get out of that, that funk, if you will, is you have to take a step back and look at the big picture where you're trying to go. You know what it's like? It's like when you're having, you find yourself in an argument with your spouse. You know, that never or, happens. Or, I know it never happens to you or to me, but let's, let's just say hypothetically. Um, and you go and you stop and you go, wait a minute, what's really going on here? Sure. Like, what, what's, what's bothering me? What's, you know, and, you, and what you find is that there's something that's really stressing you out. It has nothing to do with the dishes or with the thing or with the whatever. Right. And that in fact, step back to go, there's something else going on. And that's the issue. That's what writer's block is like for me. I'm stuck. I'm not really stuck. What it is, is there's a bigger issue with my story. I got you. I got you. Well, look, you just mentioned, and this is my last question. We'll wrap up. And all this information will be in the show notes, everybody. Go to steelfear.com. Uh, also check out johndavidman.com. That's man with two N's on the end. johndavidman.com. Um, but you, you gave us a, uh, gave me, I never heard this. You gave me an Easter egg. You gave all of our listeners an Easter egg earlier. You said that there's a, a new Go-Giver uh, book coming out, the Go-Giver Marriage at some point in the, in the near term or the future um anything more you can share with us about that i mean i'm like the the world's biggest go-giver fan my god i've i've read these all multiple multiple times that does my heart good to see i love that little that sex, sex, selection of four um yeah there's a fifth book coming and it is going to be i believe on march 8th we've got a date we've got a publisher we got a manuscript we're you know we're in production so as i said it's the first book i've done with my wife um, and it was a blast writing. It is based. Is she a on, writer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this, I, this, I, I believe, will be her first published book. Wow! And, uh, it is. It is a labor of love. It's a labor of collaboration. Um, we've been talking about it for years, ever since the first Go Giver book. Since two thousand eight, we've been talking about this this companion volume, and uh, and we finally we finally gotten to do it. And it's based on five secrets of lasting love. I like it. I like it. Here you go. Uh, I like it. Well, listen, uh, well, I, question is, does Bob have anything to do with it? Bob, uh, right at the beginning of the process said, look, guys, I can't co-author this. I've never been married. It just, it just wouldn't feel right. And I was like, Bob, your parents are like the most incredible marriage. You grew up, you know, watching this incredible example of marriage. They're both still alive. Bob still lives, you know, near them and sees them sure. often. He said, yeah, 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 that's all true. But 
I've never been married. I, I can't. This is not I appreciate feel right. the the genuineness, though. Yes, his response. It's so it's so Bob. It is so right. very Bob. He's so humble. So no, so he's not a named co-author, but you can see him. But he's been part of the process the whole way through. You can see his presence, uh, uh, you know, hovering behind every page. So he's and Bob and Kathy, his business partner, and Anna, yeah. my wife, and me, the four of us have been, you know, the go giver team for over a decade. So we're all, you know, we're a, we're a strong team and that's we're all part of the book so you i imagine to do that do you have because of the name do you have to get uh permission from him to 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 use the book or to, to write that book or something yeah it's a really complicated process yeah. a ton of lawyers involved and you know a lot of arguments no it's like it's like hey bob i'm doing this book he's like cool mm -hmm. great of course that's that's how bob and that's i awesome. do, contra do contracts yeah so like, genuine what what do you, did you pick a color yet what's the color haven't picked a color yet ah uh. Feedback for an exclusive. people, feedback people, feedback. I vote orange. Just uh, I happen to be a big Baltimore Orioles fan, so I got to <laughs> Orange is my vote. Um, anyway, all right. Well, listen, it's been, a, it's been a blast, my friend. I really appreciate it. Uh, probably a lot more fun for me than you. You do these a lot, particularly oh, no. of late. Um, but I'm excited. I'm going to email you when I'm done the book and, and tell you my thoughts. Uh, hopefully you'll read it. Um, and, uh, if anybody that wants to get in touch with John David, man, listen, he's very outgoing, genuine, authentic. I never met the guy. I reached out to him on LinkedIn, um, mentioned that I had Bob on the show and that I've, I've loved his books and he was genuine and authentic and, and, uh, he agreed to come on and, I had no idea you had a book going on. So it was perfect storm, perfect timing. Yeah. Um, so everybody go to steelfear.com or johndavidman.com. That's man with two ends on the end. You can find John on social media as well, where I found him was on LinkedIn. Um, John, any parting words before we uh, let everybody go? Uh, no, I just, I guess the parting words would be, uh, I really hope you enjoy this book. Uh, you, whoever you are listening right now, um, you, you, you may or may not think of yourself as a crime fan, but um, it's funny, I just today, I don't know when this will air, but today I posted a blog post, the title of which was A Leadership Parable Disguised as a Crime Novel, because <laughs> threading through the story are um, leadership lessons, which is very intentional. It's like I've been writing about leadership my whole life. And so you'll find it's, it's, a, it's also, it's a crime novel. It's a serial killer novel. It's a thriller. It's also a fable about leadership. And I hope you all enjoy it. Awesome. Well, don't be surprised if I email you because I want you and maybe if I, if you're able, maybe you and Brandon on for the next book for the next awesome. release at some point, that'd be fantastic. Sounds so excellent. guys, I appreciate everybody listening. Any questions, thoughts, ideas, always feel free. I love feedback. Um, if you are on uh, YouTube watching, fantastic. If you're on um, uh, Apple Podcasts or anywhere that you consume podcasts, please, if you are so inclined, leave five stars. Would totally rock. For everybody behind the scenes that helps me edit and put this out every week, I'm Eric Silverman. That's my friend, John David Mann. Go to steelfear.com. Get yourself a copy of Steel Fear. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the Rockstars Rocking Podcast. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. And if you feel so inclined, please leave us a review. Five stars would totally rock. Until next time, Rockstars. Keep rocking.